When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, July 3rd. The Cubs and Red Sox just finished wrapping up a three-game series at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field. And the Cubs take two of three, Brendan. They win the first two in this series, and it it did feel like there might have been a little magic on Sunday for them to complete that sweep, but it was not to be in extra innings. Not to be. The bullpen, though, Corey, we'll get into it, but the bullpen, pretty impressive series against a formidable offense in Boston, so that was fun to see. And despite the sour ending to that game, uh, pretty productive series for the most part. So we will uh, break all of that down, talk about all of of what we saw this weekend with the Boston Red Sox, and then we will get you set up for this uh, next week at the end of the episode here. And we've got some, uh, you know, potential, you know, it's it's kind of been the case for a little while now, Brendan, with the roster that some guys are going to be coming back and, and we're looking forward to that. And we do have a couple of notes on that front that, you know, I suppose we can just start with briefly. Uh, Seiya Suzuki departing Iowa on Sunday. So he is headed back to Chicago. Uh, the latest, as we're recording this, you know, just after the game was that it's possible he gets activated as soon as Monday. But either way, it's going to be in the very near future. Drew Smiley beginning a rehab stint with South Bend. That is high A on Monday. And Marcus Stroman is pitching for the Iowa Cubs here on Sunday. I think he's scheduled to go three innings. So that is a lot of good news, Brandon. Yeah, a lot of good news. Get the guys back. It will be fun to see how the outfield situation works out, especially with Morell having a, a recent hot stretch here, how Ross uses him. But I'm looking forward to get Sayed back. I'm looking forward to get these guys healthy, Corey. We got to see what they can provide to get a good idea, especially before this trade deadline comes up. Yeah, particularly for Drew Smiley. It would be very convenient for the Cubs if he could get back in there and very. have a just a, really like a couple of. You know, There's still time, yeah. you know? He just needs, like you said, a couple. And then all, that's all that's maybe. Yeah, necessary because, for you teams. know, he, he has that. You know, he has a pedigree at the, the MLB level. He does. Um, you know, he's he dealt with a lot of injuries, but he's the type of guy that if they can just get him back out there and looking healthy, a, a team looking to add starting depth, long relief depth, whatever it is, they, they know what they're getting there with Drew Smiley. They just need to know he's yeah. healthy. So that timing is exactly. is working nicely. Obviously, you want Marcus Stroman to get back so he can get back to uh, pitching at the top of the Cubs rotation, like has been the plan all season. And yeah, I'm, I'm just, we've talked about this, uh, you and I and Cody, Luke, Ryan, everybody, like I just miss watching Saya play. Um, he was at the beginning of the year, sort of one of the lone bright spots to start the year before Nico Horner had gotten hot and Ian Happ had started putting this together and prior to Christopher Morell even coming up. And as we talked about, you know, his his development as a rookie, not in terms of his baseball career, obviously, but in the majors, uh, stunted with, with this injury. Um, so looking forward to seeing him come back and seeing him get back to, you know, putting in that work to make the necessary adjustments here uh, in his first yeah. year. And it seems as if he was going through those adjustments before he hurt that finger. The strikeouts were going up, and not because he was whiffing more, just because he was taking all those pitches. So he just needs to get comfortable, right? So get him back right away. Hopefully when he does come back, it's not going to be a gradual increase in playing time. My hope is if he's back on Monday, 
He's in there every yeah. single day, four to five plate appearances every yeah, single day. And I think day. you touched on it, Brendan. A particular thing to keep an eye on with Seiya, especially as someone adjusting to life in America, being in the majors, et cetera, et cetera, he, you've seen it a lot where he has gotten unfairly penalized by how good his eye is and how bad yeah. uh, umpires are generally. And that's one of the big things that, you know, when you're talking about him playing every day, that's really the experience that you want him to get. You don't want him expanding the strike zone on pitches that he thinks are balls. You want that patience, but even just learning to accept more called strikeouts, like that's an adjustment, right? Like, and and you want him out there and however the Cubs want to handle that, whether it is, you know, maybe being a little more aggressive on pitches that are borderline, things like that, uh, you need that time and, and injuries take away that time. Yeah. And you look at his overall hit portfolio this year, the encouraging part about Seiya is even though he's kind of getting screwed on on bad calls by umpires, it hasn't affected where he hits the ball. It's not as if he's like swinging way outside the zone and pulling an extraordinary amount of pitches. His spray chart is basically pretty evenly dispersed, left field, center field, right field. And one of the encouraging aspects about Seiya is he has also gotten kind of screwed by the ballparks he's played in because his expected home runs is almost two more than his actual total. For example, if he were playing in in on the south side in, in, with the White Sox, he would have had seven home runs. If he were playing in Washington, seven home runs. Even, Corey, in Milwaukee, if he were in Milwaukee, he would have nine home runs by now. So I'm hoping just everything stays constant because I feel as if if he does stay constant and a little bit of a tweak on some certain pitches, I think the numbers are just going to go right back up to where we saw them. Not maybe like MVP type level numbers in April, but way above league average numbers. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Good news that the Cubs are getting healthier. Uh, there, you know, some miscellaneous notes on guys like uh, Schwindel, Madrigal, etc. You know, they're they're working their way back, taking BP and stuff like that, but nothing that is as finalized or in motion as uh, Suzuki, Smiley, and Marcus Stroman. So yeah. that is the story there. Uh, let's just run through these these three games, these box scores real quick uh, to set the table. Hopefully you are listening to this, uh, enjoying your holiday weekend, however you are celebrating it. Hopefully you have a, a nice long weekend here. If you are working on Monday, we are here for you to uh, give you a little Cubs to talk about. But on Friday, it was a 6-5 to comeback win for the Chicago Cubs. They trailed this game 4 to nothing in the top of the second inning. It was a rough start for Adrian Sampson, but he did settle in enough to give the Cubs five and a third. He gives up eight hits, five runs, four of them earned, one walk, and four strikeouts. So overall, you know, in a, a little, you know, small body of work for Sampson, a, a pretty nice job that he's done coming up here and yeah. kind of just being tossed into, you know, emergency relief, starting, whatever the Cubs are asking of him. So a nice job from Adrian Sampson for sure. Uh, the Cubs getting their runs in this one after they trailed four to nothing. Nelson Velasquez with an RBI triple. Christopher Morel brought in one with a ground out, and then Rafael Ortega was walked with the bases loaded. That made it four to three in the fifth. Top of the six, the Red Sox added one, but in the bottom of the six, Christopher Morel blasted a long get out the tape measure style home run for his eighth of the year that made it five to five and the Cubs would win this one in the bottom of the sixth on a wild pitch that scores Wilson Contreras so that was the story there really nice stuff from the bullpen that we'll touch on uh, but all scoreless innings from Hughes, Efros, Martin, and Robertson. Chris Martin really good this weekend. I think we'll focus on him in particular. David Robertson in this game picking up his 10th save. No walks, no hits, no runs. 1.80 ERA. Jed Hoyer's phone is going to be buzzing, Brendan. Hopefully. And he's got an 80-grade smile, I just want to say, David Robertson. Yeah. He really does. I'll miss him. he, He is one of those guys that I do wish was around uh, in a more competitive cycle. I, I, I do like him. I, I like him a lot. Um, you can just resign him in the offseason. You, you know, yeah, he seems yeah. to be enjoying his time here. And he was one he of does. those guys, Brendan, we talked about uh, him and Givens, you know, had given those quotes about 
particularly wanting to come to Chicago, yeah. seeing the work that they had done with relievers and pitchers and, and stuff like that, and a sparkling 1.80 ERA for David Robertson. Mm. So that is going quite well. On Saturday, it was a 3-1 to Cubs win. Uh, this one started, uh, you know, n- not the best, uh, kind of like Friday. Uh, Alec Mills comes out of this game after just a third of an inning uh, with an injury, so that is uh, not what you want to see. Uh, but Mark Leiter Jr. really stepping up, uh, five and a third following Mills. Um, three hits, one run, one walk, and five strikeouts for Mark Leiter Jr., a very well-earned win in that column for uh, Leiter Jr. And, you know, you, these are just those moments, Brendan. Like, he's had, you know, some up and down outings. The Cubs have used him a lot this year, but you have to give props to guys who get in there. I mean, he he threw a start, a, a full start on a day that he maybe thought he might come in relief. So uh, really yeah. commendable effort from Mark Leiter Jr. there. The Cubs got their runs in this one on a Nico Horner single. Uh, in the bottom of the second, and then a Narciso Crook sacrifice fly that made it two to nothing in the bottom of the second. The Red Sox would get one in the sixth, and then Patrick Wisdom would add a little insurance in the eighth with an RBI single, three to one, and that would be all she wrote. Two scoreless innings, no hits, no walks, no runs from Michael Givens, his fourth hold of the year, his ERA now at 3.45. So he is another one who has trended very much in the right direction. David Robertson would come on once again for his 11th save of the year, an inning and a third of work, just one hit, one walk, two strikeouts. So after Saturday, that sparkling ERA down to 1.72. Look at that. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Sunday, it was the lone loss in the series for the Cubs. This one would be 4-2. to two. Uh, The Red Sox winning this one, a throwing error by Rowan Wick in the uh, top of the 11th. Wick had done uh, a nice job in the 10th to keep the Red Sox scoreless. The Cubs could not score in their portion of the 10th. They do bring in those runs in the 11th, and the Cubs do not respond. So that would be all that she wrote. The runs in this game for the Cubs, a Wilson Contreras single and Patrick Wisdom's 17th home run of the year that traveled 450 feet, Brendan. So very Very far. far. Um, And that's it. So yeah, a bummer of a way to lose on on Sunday, Brendan. It it really felt like after they tied the game on the Wisdom homer in the eighth that they would be able to kind of pull off a win and we were going to come on here and talk about a sweep. I mean, do do we even know how to talk about that anymore? No, I forgot what it felt like. I, especially of a team that's playing as well as the Red Sox. Right. I mean, we would have had to recalibrate how we do things here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was hoping for like another 10-game win streak, but uh, not going to happen, Corey. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> e- e- either way, though, um, two or three from the Red Sox, really nice for this team. And I think especially with the mix of young guys that we're seeing in there. You know, we saw Narciso Crook get in there a good bit this weekend. We saw Nelson Velasquez getting some starts this weekend. Alfonso Rivas, PJ Higgins catching the game on Sunday. It's 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 nice to see a group that has so many guys getting an opportunity and, and really just getting a look, uh, finally, for, for most of them, right? Uh, have a really nice series over uh, a team that is nine games over 500. This was a nice showing from the Cubs this weekend. It was nice. Hopefully this is kind of the format we see going forward where you do get looks from Crook, from Velasquez. You do see Ross use Morrell in different situations, whether it be in the leadoff spot, center field, or second base. That's kind of what I was hoping for the past six weeks here, seeing so many different mix and matchups here. Um, And it took a Jason Hayward injury, unfortunately, for this to happen. But this is the format going forward that I hope we continue to see, Corey. Yeah, and that's uh, definitely something that, you know, should catch your eye. Uh, you know, Morel moving, uh, you know, some days leading off and then, uh, you know, days, you know, you get a righty in there and then Ortega's back at the leadoff spot. We mm-hmm. also see Morel playing second base. And, uh, you know, we obviously all knew that he could play multiple positions. We've talked about that a lot and we've seen him do it uh, for the Cubs at Wrigley Field. But very, you know, interesting and noteworthy to see them doing this uh, with Morel with the news that Seiya is on the way back, right? We we had right. talked before 
Like, you have to figure out how you're going to find Morel playing time because you're not going to stop doing that because that would be crazy. Uh, And it's good to see that, you know, they're preparing for this. It's exciting to have Saya back, but it did sort of raise some questions about, Mm -hmm. okay, who was going to play in the outfield? Who's going to get these opportunities, et cetera? So interesting to see this weekend Morel starting to move around. And I think in uh, the game... On, it might have been on Friday, he played both. He played second and also a little center. So he's getting ready for whatever the Cubs need him to do. Yeah, with Morrell, it will be fascinating how Ross does use him. The defensive metrics on his center field defense have not been kind. So out above average, this is a very small sample. So you have to take caution in interpreting this. Um, but he's in the second percentile. So, you know, among the worst defenders so far in a short little career this season. And then UZR also is not really kind to Morrell. He currently has a negative six UZR per 150 chances. Um, and that just represents he's going through that learning phase. Outfield is not his natural position. He's a natural third baseman that seems to be his primary position he does play shortstop of course and then second base as well but I do wonder just how the Cubs think about 2023 whether Morrell is a super utility guy where you can throw around the diamond or if they want to keep him and I guess his performance will dictate this in a more stable spot if it is in center field I hope he continues to get those chances to improve defensively because there might be some hesitancy to, to give so many at-bats. And if the position only open for Morrell is in center field, then maybe he shouldn't be playing second base this much. And with free agency, there's a lot of free agent shortstops out there. Nico has been the best defensive shortstop in the league this year. But there might be a scenario where it makes sense from a, a lineup construction standpoint in the Cubs roster where they do sign a shortstop. You move Nico to second base, who's likely going to be the best defensive second baseman. And that means Morrell kind of has to play the outfield a little bit more. So that's where I'm focused. Once Sia comes back, um, is Morrell going to get most of his at-bats from second base? Or will he continue to get those chances in center field? And I guess the way my mind thinks about this, I, I kind of prefer him to get those chances from center field, Corey. Yeah, you know, and especially at Wrigley, too, it's an interesting place to play the outfield, especially with the wind, yeah, the tough. ivy, the the alleys, etc. Uh, so it does take some time. It's, it is also one of those things, though, like flexibility is always good, right? I, I know mm-hmm. that, you know, some people are already, for whatever reason, starting debates about, you know, why would they even look at a shortstop with, with Nico and this and this? And, it's, you know, you can feel however you want, but flexibility is a good thing. Um, yeah. If you want to bring stops in... they do the shortstops, if they let's say they sign a shortstop, we talked about this a few episodes ago. You know, the shortstops are older than Nico. It's possible in a year or two they move Nico back to right. shortstop. He moved that shortstop to third base. You know, so flexibility is very DH key guys. Nico plays yeah. short. It it, yeah. not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right? It, exactly. it really doesn't. When you have guys that can be in Nico's case, elite defenders wherever you put them, you worry about it later. If you need yeah. to guarantee a guy a certain position to sign him, that's fine. It's also the benefit of some. Someone like Morel, you know, how many uh, plate appearances or how, how you might view that going forward, a lot of season left. So you're going to learn a lot more about him here in 2022. But the ability for him to play different positions, try different positions, and hopefully improve at the ones that he's not rating as well at, you know, that makes things a lot easier when you're trying to build a roster. It just gives you flexibility. And, you know, you look at what the Cubs did, they're very different players. So I'm only comparing them and, you know, the, the potential ability to move around. But Ben Zorbis played everywhere for the Cubs, right? And on any, any given day, he might have been at second, he might have been at third, he might have been at right field, left field. It didn't matter, right? He'd do it and he'd do it well. And you just whatever else Joe needed to do on that particular day. All right, we'll put Ben here because yeah. we want this guy at second base today. It doesn't matter. Yadi Molina to get a strikeout. You know, you go through Ben pitch. Yeah. He can pitch. Well, and, yeah. we, and Morel would probably, I think uh, Ben Zobris, when he struck Yadi out, it looked kind of like a changeup, a little bit of it a changeup, uh, had a little fade on it. I think Morel would blow one by him. Uh, yeah. you know, I think he would have a pretty nasty slider too with that arm angle. Just saying. I don't want him, him throwing lap. sliders. Not to sound like you, but I don't <laughs> want him throwing breaking balls. <laughs> Um, anyway, the, the last thing just from these box scores before we jump into some of these more guys, uh, specifically 
Keegan Thompson, a, a short start on Sunday, uh, four innings, seven hits, two earned, three walks, three strikeouts. This is another one, Brendan, where it, it the, the box score doesn't really tell the whole story, right? Um, yeah. He kind of got killed by some infield singles, Miss infield outs. balls. Uh, yeah, it just, it was not... He ended up throwing 86 pitches in those four innings, only the two runs. The three walks are a little high, but the outing should have gone smoother and probably deeper into the game uh, had he had a little bit better luck on where some of those uh, batted balls were going around the infield. Yeah, I agree. If you look at his commands that game against the Red Sox, pretty good for the most part. He did walk three guys. I, I get that, but... Uh, the cutter was located pretty efficiently, and the misses were competitive misses. It was not as if he was like all over the place. And then the fastball was elevated again, once again. He's kind of been doing this the past, I think, five, six starts now, maybe even more than that, where he's throwing more elevated fastballs, which is great to see. He does have some some carry on that pitch, and I enjoyed watching him pitch again. He didn't throw as many sliders this time he threw uh, four sliders, but it's you know that's it's within the range of where he's been throwing that pitch in the past few starts here. So I think it's a positive, another positive direction for Keegan, even though the numbers didn't back him up this time. Yep, yeah, and you know similar to how we've talked about him and Steele, especially, it's it's really just you know I Luke and I were were talking about this with Cody the last time I was in the studio. A lot of it is just the eye test right? Mm-hmm. How do they look? Do they look like guys that belong in a rotation, getting out, you know, keeping guys off balance, limiting hard contact, things like that? Like, yeah, this was a short outing, but there was some context there that you need to have. And the general like body of work that continues to build, and that's what this is. This is a, a building experience. It's a building year for these guys. It continues to look good. So uh, I think all, you know, full steam ahead, on yeah. what we're seeing with Keegan. Well, that was a good point that you guys brought up when you were uh, in studio where you don't really know. Like, there, there's discussions about, all right, you know, can we rely on Keegan and Justin Steele for 2023? But you're talking about players who might be very different come August and September. Yeah. And so when you evaluate these single games just within the context of 2023, it's not really a fair evaluation because they're using these games to hopefully by September have more pitches right, or a different right. way about going about their business then by september you can evaluate those games in the context of 2023 i thought that was a good point you guys yeah and like especially with keegan too it's it's the easiest to focus on because you know we we've, we've talked about you and, and our guy ryan herrera at all chgo.com have talked about and written about his his new slider and that's something that you have to keep in mind when you're watching. You know, he's he's integrating a new pitch. So a few months mm-hmm. from now, you're going to have all this data on how batters see this pitch, how they react to this pitch, how it works after other pitches and different counts and this and this. And, you know, come spring training next year, you might have, you know, Tommy Hadovy and Breslow and all these guys, they're going to put that all together. And you might be, you know, you might see a completely different guy right? Yeah. Because you're going to have all of this information and all of these these reps and, and practice that you can then formulate into a, a new kind of plan. Uh, so yeah, it's just about step For at sure. a time. Step at a time. And like in my mind, like Keegan Thompson was not even a starting option, um, you know, two months ago. So to see him do this does change the context. Now in my mind, like he seems to be the most likely starting option for 2023. That's all fast these things can change here. But quick break yep. here from our sponsors. Uh, one, you guys know, PointsBet, the best way to support CHGO is to download that PointsBet app right now and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 and free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit. If you have any questions, you can email pointspet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. If you see an edge in that game you are watching, is this your favorite team prime for a comeback? Don't just watch the game, bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash-outs. 
Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Second break here from our sponsor, Owen. I have to tell you about Owen, which stands for only what you need. Owen's 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly, no gluten or dairy, and easily digestible. I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet. Some people have compared me to Justin Fields athletically, so I had to try this out. They taste great, and I know I'm getting quality nutrition that I might otherwise miss during my busy day. Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com with code CHGO20. Follow me and Justin Fields and try Owen only what you need. All right, so Brendan, I, I want to talk about the bullpen here, the work that we've seen from the bullpen. Uh, it's It's been, you know, it, it the start of the season, the Cubs bullpen was great, and, you know, they've gone through some ups and downs. Obviously, there's been a rotating cast of pitchers that we've seen uh, in this bullpen, and there was an interesting stat uh, that I saw from Jordan Bastian of MLB.com this morning. Uh, that the Cubs lead the majors in relief outings consisting of at least two and two-thirds. They've done that 22 times, three innings, 18 times, three and a third, 12 times, three and two-thirds, 10 times, four, seven times, four and a third, four times, four and two-thirds, three times. So we kind of talked about it this weekend. You know, you see Mark Leiter Jr. coming in for five and a third of relief. Um, You know, we've seen Adrian Sampson have, you know, I think a a four and a third outing in relief of Kyle Hendricks that one time. And, you know, even today, Rowan Wick going multiple innings. Uh, it, it, It just was an interesting stat to kind of give context to one We've seen a lot of these Cubs pitchers be asked to kind of try a role that is becoming a lot more popular in in Major League Baseball, which is kind of that long specialist that that comes in at times. But it's also really highlights uh, the inconsistency, especially at the beginning of the year of the starting rotation in terms of of giving depth and length uh, to these games. And, you know, when you're evaluating a bullpen, this is the type of stuff you have to kind of keep that context of. It's You you don't want to make excuses for a bullpen when they're not successful, but it is important to remember, like, this, this rotation has not often provided deep, long starts, right? There has been a lot asked of this bullpen uh, to get, you know, the 27 outs necessary to play these games. Yeah, and I remember when, when Keegan was moved to the rotation, Ross said, even after a few of those struggled uh, starts, like he kind of missed having Keegan being able to elongate a start and rest that bullpen for subsequent days. So that's the value of having so many options that Ross can go to if, in this example of Mills, if he goes down or if a pitcher does struggle out of the gate, you can have someone that can go four or five innings to have, you know, Samson as a possibility to have at times, if if he is healthy, Alec Mills go more than, you know, three, four innings is really valuable. And we saw with Leiter Jr., like that was a, an incredibly impressive effort against a really solid offensive team to give the Cubs a win. So to have these options, it does protect the bullpen. And when we look at July, you want to put uh, Robertson in as many possible save chances that teams can look at and try to get a better return in trade. And the same can be said about Givens. Um, you want to get these guys like opportunities. You don't want to overuse them. You don't want to put them in scenarios that are not optimal for their skill set because that could have uh, effects in the trade value you get back in return. So I, I, I think overall the bullpen has been maybe a little bit inconsistent in the last uh, month or so. I know Rowan Wick has been frustrating fans. I understand that. I think with, with Rowan, 
as the season progresses here. If he continues to do what he does, I'm not really concerned about him. He does not deserve that 5.2 ERA. Uh, his command has been rated well above league average. His stuff is being rated well above league average. If you believe in the FIP ERA discrepancy, his FIP is 3.5, his ERA is uh, or rather is 3.8, his, his ERA is 5.2. I, I think as the season goes along, we'll, Wick will be fine here. But my main focus is putting Givens, putting Martin, putting Robertson in chances that are best suited for them as they're rested because we're only three, four weeks away from actually seeing these guys potentially moved. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Chris Martin for a second. Uh, really nice weekend from Chris and uh, a really strong comeback. You know, he had some early season struggles, but he definitely looks like the veteran that he has been for several years in this league. Uh, two innings of work on this particular weekend against the Red Sox. Uh, four strikeouts, no walks, no runs. I think just one hit in those two innings of work. His numbers on the year, a 3.55 ERA and a 2.92 FIP, uh, which would be one of the best in his career. If, uh, excuse me, yeah, one of the best in his career outside of just the shortened 2020 season for the Braves in terms of FIP. Um, He just looks really good, Brendan. And this is another one where like when we talk in the off seasons about our confidence level in the Cubs being able to put together a bullpen and and piece things together and find guys in free agency or waivers or whatever it is that they're finding them. Uh, you know, Chris Martin, I, I don't think it, it took like a rocket scientist to identify like, yeah, this guy would be a good guy to add to the bullpen. But just the, the, the ability to bring him over, uh, Robertson, Givens, and continue those guys having success, um, it's, it's a really good trait for this front office to have, not just when the team is competitive. It's obviously useful when the team is competitive. But they're going to have uh, another sort of set of really valuable trade chips, Brendan. Like I, mm. Chris Martin has saved games in his career, not too much, but you know he's he's gotten a handful of saves in his career. Um, what he might command at the deadline, you never know. But uh, there are teams are always looking for relief, and when you can have a veteran who's pitched in the World Series uh, coming over here to the Cubs, putting up really good numbers. Um, in line with some of his career best work like that's that's really solid work by the front office yeah it's solid work too and maybe we'll hear more about the changes he made and why he's potentially more effective as a cub despite the era being similar to last year he is getting more whiffs his strikeout rate his k per nine is 10 batters per nine innings right now last year was 6.85 the Walker rate's exceptional. The Walker rate's 1.4 uh, batters per nine innings, and his expected ERA is is actually under three, and his FIP is 3.92. So he's one of the better relievers in in the league right now, and definitely, uh, you know, on in this in this Cubs bullpen. Now, if you look at maybe some of the changes he has made, uh, his slider has been way more effective this year. The amount of vertical break he's generating with that pitch appears to be quite significantly more from last year by about five inches. And his whiff rate has correspondingly gone up by six percentage points on that slider. So it could be a random thing, who knows, but uh, that does appear to be one of the driving forces for his whiffs and uh, success here with the Cubs. And they have kind of shifted his pitch repertoire away from throwing as many sliders ironically there even though it's more effective so that might be wise playing up more and he's really increased his cutter usage last season he was throwing a cutter 18 percent of the time and then this season is at 28 percent of the time so that's quite quite an increase and to your point chris martin you know Probably not anyone's radars going into the offseason, but uh, this is what the Cubs have been able to do. They've been able to identify pitchers that might fit their mold of changing things around to get them more effective. And you can either keep them or you can use them as trade pieces and get back value that way. So the confidence in the bullpen and developing these these guys, no matter the age, it's always going to be there for me unless the baseball environment drastically changes or something happens with this Cubs infrastructure but 
this is something that at this point people should rely on. Yeah, and you know, speaking of Givens too, he didn't pitch on Sunday, but had those two scoreless on Saturday. And he's, you know, again, just another guy who has really settled into uh, having a nice season for himself. His numbers, you know, really in line with where he's been in his career for the last few years. He's got a 3.45 ERA. The 4.33 FIP is a little higher, but again, you know, you look at him throughout his career, uh, 2017 in Baltimore was his best year with a 2.75 ERA and a 3.72 FIP. But outside of that, this is generally where he's sat, you know, somewhere in the mm. three 3.5-ish, a little higher, a little lower type ERA and, uh, you know, a FIP around 4.345, something like that. So again, you know, the the value is there in if you are a team looking for a veteran reliever who, uh, you know, again, also has experience closing games. He saved some games uh, for Baltimore at 11 saves in 2019 and, you know, appears to be healthy and pitching like he has throughout his career pick up the phone and call your boy Jed Hoyer. He's got a go. he's got a whole horde of them that he can uh you know dish out and I am not watching this game, Brendan. Uh and actually they might be a team that will probably deal with it in house, but I am reading on Twitter right now as we're recording this that Ked, okay. Craig Kimbrell left the game uh for the Dodgers with an apparent injury. Well, so boy, if only you were a team uh, that is out of contention, that has a bunch of relievers who are performing really well and have veteran closer experience. What a nice time it would be for you, right? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it would fit their their goals quite well, Corey. And yeah. with Givens, kind of the same thing happened that we saw with uh, Chris Martin. So with Givens, they really changed around his pitch repertoire. And unlike Martin, where he decreased his slider and that became more effective with Givens, he over doubled his slider usage. So that might be why his K per nine is so high this year. The walk rate has uh, been a little bit high, but he has that unorthodox release point, that unorthodox fastball spin that goes with it. Uh, he's a guy. I imagine the Cubs will be able to get something valuable in return. And that, that with those guys being traded, what I'm like actually really focused on is can they get immediate value back or are they going to be in the form of prospects like high A guys and try to keep building that lower level? Because Corey, if they can get back immediate guys, maybe not as immediate as a Craig Kimbrell return, but something like within that sphere, then that also signals this offseason may, maybe, maybe different. Uh, some people don't think the Cubs are going to spend. That's, you know, that's a fair assumption perhaps, but they're getting back guys that are ready to go by 2023, then that should change your thinking uh, right. because there's no reason to do that if we're not going to spend this offseason. Yeah, perhaps target some of those guys and, you know, you add them into continuing to get looks at all of the guys we t- constantly talk about. I think, yeah. you know, it's it's not what everybody wants to hear. They should be spending all the time. But, you know, Jed, in one of the last times we heard from him, you know, did point out uh, I think he had a quote about, you know, some things speed the process up, some slow it down, right? And I don't think he's ever going to tell us what those things are uh, and how much they're doing, either the speeding or the slowing. But, you know, you look at guys like Morell, Thompson, Nico playing at the level he's playing at, Steele, Hap. et cetera, et cetera, Hap, right? Wilson, extension The perhaps. performance of those guys can always everything is always malleable right it can always kind of change the way you're viewing things and yeah you brought up Wilson too like uh, he everybody you know has him as sort of a guarantee to be traded and I you know that's kind of where my expectation is uh, my hopes and wishes aside that that's just how it seems to be happening but you know there was something to the logic of they brought in the D, the they they got the DH they brought in Jan Gomes they've utilized Contreras in the DH a ton he was DHing again on Sunday with PJ Higgins behind the dish and you know there was something to the idea of like okay well maybe the front office wanted a look at what does it look like if he's healthy and we keep him fresh and he's able to just focus on hitting and catching when he's catching but you know really let that bat come out to play, right? And I, I, again, it seems that the the trade is where they're looking at this direction. We, we, me, Cody, Luke, Ryan, Brendan, everybody, we talk about this with Contreras relentlessly, right? And we will until they make some sort of decision. But, you know, maybe, Brendan, like, 
he's got a 906 OPS. This system <laughs> appears to be working with him yeah. staying fresh and being able to DH and having competent quality backups behind him. Maybe that changes the front office's mind and they say, hey, okay, we saw what we needed to see. But it, it, going back to the larger point, that's what a lot of this is about. And if you are able to use these relievers to acquire closer to major league ready stuff you have that second half of the season you see how some of those guys play and you know when they get a chance and maybe that changes how you're viewing things um last reliever for you before we hit our second ad break scott efros a really really solid weekend for scott efros two and a third he allows just one hit strikes out three uh, in the game on Sunday. Um, he didn't have any strikeouts in the game on Friday, uh, but a clean inning there, no hits, no walks. So all told, it was two, two, two and a third inning of work against the Red Sox here, a very good Red Sox team, which is the one hit, no runs, three strikeouts. His ERA in the season, 2.62. Brendan, they appear to have found themselves uh, a piece for their future bullpen. They have his slider, Corey, is like unbelievable. First off, his release point is the the most extreme release point in Major League Baseball. Um, and then you combine the way you can spin that pitch with that release point, he's the best reliever in this bullpen. Uh, to, to me, it's not even a debate. Now, if you go look at the pitch graders, uh, like the stuff plus, command plus, all of that, right? His stuff plus on his slider is a 70 out of 80. That's two standard deviations better than the league. So better than about 95% of Major League Baseball. And then his sinker, this stuff also plays up at 65. He also has to command on that. And again, that release point, the way he can throw that pitch with that spin, with the angle and everything, it just it's remarkable. It's really fun to watch. And he's a guy who's going to be controllable for the Cubs for many, many years. And he came out of nowhere. So that's another example of this Cubs infrastructure kind of taking a pitcher, remolding him, taking what he does well. And now all of a sudden the Cubs have a reliever, a high leverage reliever, who's not going to be free agent Corey until 2028. Yeah. Who's not going to be ARB eligible until 2025. Yeah. Think about all the resources the Cubs have poured in from both trades and from free agency yep. to bolster that back end of the bullpen. You just got one, and you don't have to pay him anything for the most part until two more seasons. Right. Corey. Yeah. So 2.76 ERA and 11.3 K per nine and a 1.74 FIP. Ooh, my God, Corey. My God. Getting all hot and bothered here talking Ooh. about Scott Efros. But, <laughs> you know, it's also something to look for. You know, we talk about Robertson, Givens, and Chris Martin, guys that uh, assuredly, I, I, I'm barring something crazy, will be traded um, and hopefully get you back some value. The interesting thing that happens after that is how the bullpen reshuffles, right? So somebody's going to have to start getting saves and pitching, you know, in, in the ninth and everybody kind of moves up in terms of their leverage. And, and R- David Ross, it's always confusing to talk about these two at the same time. Um, David Ross, when he uses Scott F. Ross, uh, has used him in high leverage spots and to put out fires and, you know, in, in certain situations where he's needed to get whiffs. Uh, but when you, tra- you know, when you have veterans like the Cubs do, they get you know, the, the priority in the pecking order for those big spots, the saves, the uh, big-time leverage outings. And when you move those guys, that's going to open up a lot of opportunity for these guys to, you know, kind of take things to that next level. And it's like, okay, here's what you've done right. at the major league so far. Now let's toss in the highest leverage we can offer and let's really see what we have uh, with exactly. some of these guys. And, you know, again, Efros is already kind of doing that in, in some spots, not the, you know, the saves or anything in the ninth inning. Um, but he's going to be exciting to watch as he continues in, in the second half of the season to probably get some of those really big key spots for this bullpen. Yep. Okay. Break here from our sponsor, Points Bet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the Points Bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. 
If you have any questions, email pointspet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book that's easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Brendan. So switching over to uh, the positional side a little bit, Mm -hmm. want to give a little love to PJ Higgins. Yeah. Uh, Just a really only 72 plate appearances on the season for PJ, obviously working in limited time, hasn't been up the entire year. Um, But, you know, getting a bit of an opportunity here, Cubs carrying three catchers, uh, something that we are not unfamiliar with this particular organization doing. Uh, and just, you know, putting together a nice little line for himself. Only one for five in the game on uh, Sunday, but a 302 average, 380 on base, 524 slugging. Good for a 150 WRC+. plus. He's got three homers on the year. He's driven in 11. And he's also, uh, you know, played multiple positions. He's caught. Yeah, I like that. He's yep. moved to third, you know, which is uh, somewhere he played earlier in his career, you know, coming out of uh, the draft and, you know, starting his minor league career. Uh, so he's been flexible for the Cubs. He's played first base as well on, on times that they've needed him. Um, again, only 72 plate appearances, but it's you, you always kind of want to just stop and, and give credit to those guys who sure. uh, are getting an opportunity, stepping up, and, you know, taking uh, taking the opportunity and, and paying it off for the for the Cubs. You know, he's been a, a useful player for them, not just in having that extra catcher and some positional versatility but he's done really nice at the plate the game yes. on friday one for two walked two times scored a run like that's a, a nice game for a guy that's coming off your bench and uh you know filling that depth role yeah and even in iowa when he's played there in 86 plate appearances he has batted 417 with a weight on base average of 473 and he had the walks in the series as you mentioned there Corey seems to be a patient guy in his career so 10 percent walk rate this season 14 percent in iowa and then dating back to, to 2019 before uh, covid hit and he was injured in 2021 but uh in 2019 pretty good stat line in iowa he had a 291 batting average 12 percent walk rate only 20 percent strikeout rate 373 so the ability for him to hit while also being flexible enough where he can play third base and first base that's pretty valuable. I remember Greg Huss talking about P.J. Higgins in 2019 um, about that possible utility as we're seeing today. And that was in the context of a competitive team back then. So I I like it. I think with P.J., the, the catching defense still needs to go through that developmental phase. His ability to uh, block pitches probably needs to improve. He has, some, he has had some issues recently, and maybe they were more prominent um, – you know, last year before he was injured. But I, I I like the idea. I like the idea of carrying multiple catchers with Wilson on this roster. And you can see that working out pretty well in, in 2023, having Wilson, having Jan Gomes, a, a well-respected veteran, probably is going to manage baseball games, I imagine, in the future. If, it's interesting. If you watch Jan Gomes in the dugout, he's always always right next to either Andy Green or David Ross, always on the railing, always very close to that entry of the dugout. So to have him and Wilson Contreras and P.J. Higgins and P.J. Higgins to learn from Wilson and Jan Gomes and a former manager in David Ross, it's possible that catching defense does start to improve. And at least in their early going here, the framing appears to be acceptable. Uh, his, he has an average framing, uh, uh, runs above average. I don't know how that works in a small sample, but uh, the eye test does appear to back it up for me. It's just a matter of him like getting more comfortable blocking pitches and whatnot. So I'm turning into like at this point like 99.9 percent certain you have to extend Wilson. And I was on I was on the fence going into the year, but seeing Wilson have success, he's DH 24 times now, Corey, uh, 25 including today. That's awesome. And you're seeing like the contact rate go up and the health and the power being sustainable because we've seen that in years past, but it just hasn't been sustainable for Wilson at the catcher position. So to have PJ Higgins and Jan Gomes and Wilson team up here for like a trio at the catcher position, 
Uh, I don't know what the Wilson asking price is, but the most expensive catching contract is JT Real Muto at $115 million over five years. If Wilson wants that, if he wants 115 120 130 uh, if you're going to DH him that much, like that's a no-brainer at, at this point. So it might even make Wilson's asking price like one like fair but also very respectable for how the Cubs actually want to use him going forward yeah I I mean that was the plan when they signed Jan Gomes and it's working really well uh that's kind of going back to our earlier discussion where you know maybe that has kind of changed how the front office view things maybe not uh but they had a plan we they talked about it when they signed Jan Gomes and you know what their what their kind of vision was for that and how it would work and you and I for years really have asked them to get a a better backup so that Wilson would not be so run down um he I I I can't remember which year it was but may 2018 or 2019 where he was like a light year ahead of the next person in terms of just pitches caught on on the season like there was so every single season it's so much distance between him and the next guy and it you know just obviously was taking a toll and so Mm -hmm. it's yeah it does open you you know your eyes a little bit um to okay well we wondered if this would work and it's it's not I wouldn't even say it's working it's it's working to such an extreme degree like Wilson is having an extraordinary season we, we can't talk about how well he's doing enough. Um, and so, yeah, maybe just do that going forward, right? <laughs> like this works. So there For you go. Sure. Worth noting, uh, not really to that discussion, but kind of to that discussion in a way. Uh, Miguel Amaya actually did get back out in uh, professional baseball this weekend. There you go. So he's Good been playing on July 1st and July 2nd. Uh, and that's just good to see. It's just good to see him uh, out there. He's with the uh, Arizona Summer League Cubs, whatever they, I know they call it the ACL, but I know I lose track. Yeah, whatever they're calling that now. Um, he had a hit in the game uh, that he played on Saturday. So just good to see that he's made his way back. Happy for him that he's been able to get healthy and get back out there. And it's, you know, two games and he's playing in uh, the Arizona Summer League. So not really much we can talk about in terms of how he looks or how he's feeling. That's going to take a minute, but just very good to see him get back out there and be healthy. Yeah. And then one last note here before we preview the upcoming series with Jan Gomes, one of the like devil's advocate argument here is that his offense has been pretty bad this year. Like he has a WRC plus of 55. Um, you know, that's not good. No way to sugarcoat that. The expected numbers are a little bit better. Expected Woba over 290, you know, whatever. Still pretty bad. But the, the thinking there is he's such a good defensive catcher. And the ability to call games right now for him has been on display. Um, and if you can actually get more offense out of Wilson because you're using Jan Gomes, that's huge. Like to have Wilson have like a 330, 350 weight on base average catching all these games doesn't make much sense. But if you can get that 400 weighted on base average while sacrificing some offense in a few games here in Jan Gomes, that's that's fine. And with PJ Higgins, if you want to have that trifecta catching, you know, PJ Higgins appears to be a, an interesting bet that might get you know more chances but i bring this up too because jan gomes does have uh another year with the cubs next season he has a 2024 club option as well and maybe i don't know what the cubs plans are with the extension talks or whatever if they you know if they don't feel comfortable maybe they just trade wilson regardless uh but if he does remain on the roster this year Corey, and you revisit negotiations in the offseason with Wilson and risk-free agency, you want to see Jan Gomes get more offensive chances as well. we got to see what Jan Gomes can have offensively. Uh, that kind of gives you a better idea from the Cubs' perspective, should we give this money to, to Wilson Contreras? Uh, and, and ditto for, for P.J. Higgins there as well. Uh, yeah. Okay, so let's preview this upcoming series against the Milwaukee Brewers. So... 
Cubs will travel to Milwaukee. They have a three-game set starting Monday. That first game is a weird start time. I don't understand the start time whatsoever. It's 3.10 p.m. Central, Corey. I don't know what they're doing out there, but that's just a bizarre start time. Uh, we have Justin Steele. Oh, 4th of July. That's why they're doing that. Okay, that makes sense. We have Justin Steele on the mound for the Cubs. He's 3-5 and five with a 4.39 ERA. He'll be facing Lauer for the Brewers, who is 6-3 with a 4.02 ERA. Array. Tuesday, 7.10 p.m. start time. We have Hendricks on the mound for the Cubs. He's been looking a little bit better recently, so it's good to see. And uh, he's been talking about feeling more comfortable, which is also good to hear. This season, he's 4-6 with a 4.76 ERA. He'll be facing Alexander for Milwaukee, who is 2-0 with a 3.82 ERA. And then on Wednesday, to finish off this three-game set, uh, we have a Cy Young candidate facing the Cubs for Milwaukee. Corbin Burns, who's 7-4 with a 2.36 ERA, and then Adrian Sampson gets another shot here. No decisions for him on the year. His ERA is 3.38. Got a lot of whiffs against the Red Sox. Um, got tw- uh, 13 whiffs, actually, against the Red Sox. So kind of get dialed in on that. He has five pitch types, uses pretty uh, often. He's kind of like an Alec Mills mold that makes sense so you know i guess just if you're interested about samson look for the pitch types good command definitely in the alc mills sphere of of pitching for me what to look for saya saya and saya uh hopefully he's back on monday is he going to play every game in the series is he ready to play every single day um that is important to me He's going to be in right field. What do you do with Ortega? Does Ortega get more chances in the center field? Who gets sent down? Is it Nelson Velasquez? Is it Crook? Does that mean Morales can be playing second base more? Do we see some weird situations where, yeah, I don't know, you may have like Patrick Wisdom move off third base in the outfield for a game to spell Ian Happ in left field, and that makes Morel available at third base? I, I don't know. You have David Bodie, of course, whose shoulder does not appear to be that bad after that scare and that collision. There's, there's a lot to look at the positional side and how everything is gets uh, changed around here. And then, of course, you want to see Kyle Hendricks continue to make those positive improvements. Yeah, I mean, we're in July now. So this is kind of the, uh, you know, the final runway for at least part one of this season and what we're going to see from this organization. So, um, you know, kind of like it was last year, you know, you kind of have to mentally prep yourself for the weeks ahead um what they're gonna do oh, i don't know this, man. so am i uh i really am i, <laughs> well, I how totally many times am. have you said that you gotta mentally prep yourself for the weeks ahead this yeah like, well and i it just would be nice to not go into another month where we're like okay well maybe this is this person's last month with the cubs guess i better get to wrigley field and enjoy it you know like it's just it's a very depressing way to go about things um yeah it's it's not great um at all so we'll see what they do but yeah you know the 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 calendar has turned and and that's where we are it's also as we keep talking about a very important time for a lot of these uh, pitchers, especially, you know, in the bullpen to continue pitching well and staying healthy and showcasing themselves. And for whoever else Jed may be receiving phone calls about, this is that kind of final look that teams are going to get. So we are uh, in that. And, you know, it starts with this series. I, I continue to really look forward to anytime Steele or Thompson is pitching just to, to continue to watch their development, watch them pitch against different teams, go through different, uh, you know, scenarios and, and just see what they can do. So look forward, looking forward to Steele on Monday, hoping that Kyle can continue that streak of quality starts. And, you know, we could feel a little more confident that, you know, he's, he's really back and kind of settled into um you know a little bit more consistency here for that season and yeah looking forward to say coming back uh it's going to be interesting as as you noted to see how they kind of maneuver everything around where everybody's playing how often say is playing at least to start here uh but that is uh there's going to be a lot to pay attention to there's going to be a lot of roster yeah. moving not just this week but even going forward you know as i was mentioning you get those reports on guys like schwindel madrigal etc stroman's going to come back at some point going to be a lot of a lot of up and down a lot of a carousel of people showing up to play these games for the cubs so going to be a lot to pay attention to but uh, other than that, uh, don't forget, I think it's on July 5th, we all have to make sure we're prepared to vote for Wilson Contreras in that uh, final round 
of voting. They they change the voting process every year, but I just know we have something to do on July 5th uh, <laughs> to make sure that Wilson is starting that All-Star game, which he deserves. Every fan base should be unbiasedly voting for Wilson Contreras because biased, yeah. he deserves it. Um, and beyond that, I, I, I think that's what we have for you. So it's a fun weekend at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field. Uh, I know one of the losers for the Red Sox had some you know, snarky comments Whatever. about uh, Wrigley Field. I, he was uninspired, I think called it uh, standard in his experience at Wrigley Field. I didn't really even want to give him the time of day on, on our no. airwaves uh, because you guys know just what a laughable take, right? Just miserable. But uh, that's why I'm saying you looked around, you saw the vibes. The weather was perfect in the city of Chicago long holiday weekend. There is no place better in the world to spend such an occasion than beautiful, historic Wrigley Field. So we'll leave you with that. Again, hopefully you had a good holiday weekend or having a good holiday weekend or a good regular weekend if you have to work and uh, whatever you're doing, hope that this podcast finds you well. We will uh, be back with you at the end of the Milwaukee series. Uh, Don't forget to tune in to Luke and Cody and Ryan for pre and post uh, throughout this Brewers series. And we will talk to you again soon. Uh, So thank you for your support of CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. We'll talk to you guys again soon. And as always, go Cubs.